We're in part number four of a six-part series. Don't worry if you've missed the stuff that comes before. You can catch up with that on SoundCloud, but you don't have to. What we're talking about today, you will be able to apply to your lives. In fact, if you're a Christ follower, it's something we must do. But if you're not yet a Christ follower, this is just something you can listen to. Some of this will encourage you. You can apply it. It will help you, but you don't have to. But if you're a Christ follower, we really pretty much have to. Here's kind of, uh, this is something I have been learning, trying to learn uh, from a mentor of mine, and I want to pass it on to you as accurately as possible. I feel like this is kind of the picture that McKinley's going to give us. This is what we want. This is how we feel, you know, and I will always, I will always love you. I will always love you. That's what my heart says, right? That's what the song says. This is what my heart says. Unfortunately, it usually ends up like this. Yeah, yeah, that's usually what happens if you're anything like me at all. So if I told you this morning, what if I said this, that we were going to listen, just here, your, your closest family and friends here, we were going to listen to recording of every single thing that you said, every word that you said this past month, we were going to listen to that together in this room. Most of us would quickly leave. <laughs> Maybe you are struggling with the words that you say and in your relationship, or perhaps you're on the other extreme. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're in a relationship, a friendship. It could be at work. These, what we're talking about today applies to everybody, every relationship you have. But maybe for you, you're on the other end of that. Maybe you are just dying for some communication from that person that you are in a relationship with, or perhaps maybe when you do use words, which is often in our relationships, maybe those words are strained and they end up, maybe things turn ugly quickly. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you have a friend who is hurting. I mean, they are just really hurting and you just don't know what to say. You're at a loss. Do you ever find yourself kind of constantly condemning or complaining to your kids? Um, do you want to say the right thing, but then as you begin talking, it seems like you always just end up blowing it? You are not alone. That's a lot of us. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians. Here's our first verse this morning. Galatians chapter 5, verse 15. He says, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, he says, beware of destroying one another. And he's talking about the words we use and how we use them. You know, we talk so much. It's just what we do in life. And there are moments, though they are rare, when what we say is literally life-changing for somebody. That's not usually the way it happens. Here's what usually happens. Usually it's not that single moment that makes a difference. Usually our character the way we are, it, it's developed over thousands of little bitty tiny moments all added together. And we bring all of that, all of those thousands of little moments all together, we bring that into a big moment, an important moment. It's not usually one single thing we bring into that. It's a lot of things. And that is kind of a moment by moment. It's that every day, day in, day out communication. And all of that communication, moment by moment, it nudges the direction of our relationship. It shapes the quality 
of our relationships, all of those moment-by-moment conversations that we have. And you know this, every single word that we use, it gives our relationship and our daily life kind of a tone for the day. Every day, I tell the people around me what I think about them. Every day, I tell the people around me what I need from them. I tell them what I expect from them. But I don't do it with some great uh, eloquent speech. That's not how it happens. I tell people what I think of them. I tell them what I expect and what I want from them. You know how I do it? It's done with one of those tiny little quick, simple, off-to-the-side comments. That's how we communicate all of that. There has never been a good relationship without good words. And there's never been a bad relationship that somehow partially did not get bad because of a bad use of words. Our words are not casual. They come from the very core of who we are. And they come from actually also who we have become. This week, I just want to give you a heads up. We're going to ask you to listen very closely this week as you go through your week to your words. We're going to ask you to take those words that you're using and to hold them up to the light of Scripture, what God says. Nothing that we say is just ordinary. And as we look at scripture, it's going to raise the importance of those words from ordinary to extraordinary. And that's the value that our words really, really deserve. I think the Bible can also help us diagnose um, what's going on. As we look at our words, um, they're going to help us get to where God wants us to be in our relationships and in our life. And that's God's words going to help us get there. Uh, So as we get started, here are several things that are just going to kind of give us the context for today. And these are several things that I just want to remind you of. You probably already know these things. Just a reminder. Here's the first one. We must remember that our words contain real power. Not just an illusion of power, real power. Proverbs chapter 18, listen to how the message paraphrases this. He says, words kill words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. That's pretty powerful. Our words, every single word that comes out of our mouth, every single time, those words have direction. And they are directing people toward life or they're directing people toward death every single time. Words are powerful. There are seeds that are planted, and those seeds either grow life or they grow death. Our words will either comfort or or bring peace or bring encouragement or unity or love, or our words are going to bring hurt and bitterness, division, fear, discouragement, even sadness. Now, because our words do have so much power, the power of life and the power of death, because of that, our words don't belong to us. They belong to God. 
In fact, the very first words that were ever spoken were spoken at creation. And look what happened. When God used them, he created. Words are powerful. And words, language belongs to God. God invented language. We did not invent language. God invented language and he gave it to us. And he gave it to us for his purposes and ultimately for his glory. So we can't forget that. We need to remember they're powerful. Here's the second thing I want you to remember as we get started. Everything we say belongs to God. This is a big one. That statement makes our words very high and it makes our words potentially very holy. Think, think of it this way. Words, the ability for us to use words separates us from the rest of God's creation, from all of creation. And the ability to use words, listen to this, it makes us more like God and less like the animals. But sadly... The way we use our words makes us more, makes us less like God and more like the animals. But our words should separate us from the rest of God's creation because they don't have that language that God has given us. I'll say this maybe a couple of times as it hits me. One of the greatest mistakes and regrets of my life thus far. I have taken my, my words that I've used. I have taken them as my own. And I have used them as I have pleased. I'm not alone in that. It's what happens when a teenager makes fun of somebody else. They're taking language as if it is their own and using it any way they want to use it. But we have to remember that everything we say actually belongs to God, not to me. This is what happens when we... we, we take words as our own and use them how we want to. That's what happens when a husband puts down his wife. He's taking words and using them as if they were his. It's what happens when a wife disrespects her husband to her friends. We're taking words and using them as if they belong to us. That's what happens when two friends get together and they gossip. They talk about somebody else. That's what happens. They're taking words and using them as if they belong to them. It's what happens when a parent gets very critical of a child. We're taking words as if they are our own words. You know what ultimately I think is happening? We are stealing God's glory by pretending that words are our own creation, that they belong to us. So here's the third thing we have to remember as we enter into this discussion today. The world of talking is a world of trouble. James describes this wonderfully. In the second part of James uh, chapter 3, verse 2, he says this, For if we could 
control our tongues. He's just saying, no, 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 I don't think you can. But if you could control your tongues, we would be perfect. In other words, that's a high standard, a high mark to be able to control your tongues. We'd be perfect. And we could also, in that case, we could also control ourselves in every other way. That's, that's a way of James saying, listen, you can't control your tongue. You don't, and you can't. That's pretty powerful. I think if we have to be honest, we have to say that in our relationships, they have been hurt by the words we have used more often than they have been helped. That's very, very, very possible. And James is saying, listen, friends, look at the words you're using. And can you at least admit, can you admit that Because of our trouble in controlling these words, can we admit that it is an indication that we need Christ and we need his grace? Because we are all guilty of turning this wonderful gift of language into a weapon. And we all need forgiveness in this. We all need help. And here's the next thing we need you to remember. We must remember that word problems are heart problems. Luke chapter 6, listen to how Jesus puts this. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Word problems, they are not, when I say word problems, you understand the things we say, it is not a problem of vocabulary. It's not a problem of skill, that we just don't have the skill to really navigate relationships. It's not a problem really of bad timing Jesus is not, he's, he's saying, no, it's not like you say, oops, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to say that. I'm so, so sorry. I didn't mean to say that. We would be more honest to say, oops, I'm sorry. I said exactly what I meant. That's what Jesus is saying. It's a heart problem. It's in our heart before it ever comes out of our mouths. The real problem with our words is what I want to say and why I want to say it. Both of those, the what I want to say and the why I want to say it are formed inside of my heart before they ever come out of my mouth. So if I want to change the way that I talk to someone else, I have to change first my heart. If we follow Christ, we must decide, we must decide that I want out of a relationship what God wants out of a relationship. But my heart does not always want what God wants. That's the trouble with me. And that's for most of us a moment by moment battle. And Paul makes this really clear. We're going to track through a few verses here with Paul. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Paul says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. 
God is making his appeal through us. Now let's pause here for a moment. Ambassador. When you look at the old timey understanding of ambassadors, maybe even somewhat to today, but really back when there were kings and kingdoms, an ambassador had one single job. That ambassador was to represent. That was it. That ambassador was in another kingdom. His king was back in his kingdom somewhere else. And the ambassador was in another location. They were not together. The ambassador's job was to be the physical representation of this king over here. The ambassador's job was to represent his body was the ambassador's body was here while the king's body was over here. And his job, the ambassador's job was to represent that king over here. He was going to be that physical representation when the king was not there. Every single word that the ambassador would say would be filtered by what the king's interests were, what the king's desires were, what the king's goals were. It was not what the ambassador thought, what the ambassador wanted, what the ambassador was going to... No, no, no. He was representing the king. It was all filtered through, this is what the king wants, this is what the king desires, this is what the king shall have. His goals, not the ambassador's. This is a pretty cool analogy, a pretty cool way to see it. But here's the deal. This is not a suggestion. This is not Paul saying, oh, this is a good way to look at it. If you could only see it like this, it would help you understand. No, 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 no. This is exactly what God intends, what he's calling you and me. If we are followers of Jesus, this is exactly what he's calling you to do. Not kind of like not a good idea or suggestion, not as if it were, it really is. He says, you are the ambassador. That's powerful. So what we say as an ambassador of Jesus, what we say must be directed by what God is wanting to accomplish in that life, that person that we're talking to. We have to accomplish what God is wanting to accomplish in that life. Okay, so that that makes sense. But what is God wanting to do in that life? That person you're having a conversation with, Paul tells us. He says, he goes on, he says, we speak for Christ. When we plead, come back to God. In other words, Paul is saying the goal that God has that we are to be the ambassador for Christ and what we say has to represent, the goal is this, reconciliation. That's God's goal, reconciliation. And we are his ambassador. We no longer, if you're a follower of Jesus, we no longer represent ourselves. When I'm in a conversation with that person, I'm not representing me. I should not be. I'm representing Christ. Now, Paul says this 
whole ambassadorship. He says it another way in 2 Corinthians. Listen to how he describes this process of becoming an ambassador. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new, this new life will no longer live for themselves. In other words, once we begin to follow Jesus, because Jesus died on the cross for us, once we begin to follow him, then we know that we die to ourselves. We live now for him. We no longer represent ourselves. He says, instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. That's the process. That's why as an ambassador, we don't represent ourselves. We represent the king. He says, because now we have this new life of an ambassador. We die to the old life and now we represent him. And he wants to change our direction. And he wants to make us more interested in what he wants for us and through us and around us than we want for ourselves. He wants us more interested in what he wants. You see, we still have a habit, though, of speaking for ourselves and our own agenda. When we compliment someone to kind of soften them up, we're speaking for ourselves and our own agenda. When we don't tell the whole truth so that we can kind of avoid a conflict, we're speaking for ourselves and our own agenda. If you holler at your kids because of the mess they left, that's your own agenda. You're speaking for yourself. When we are determined to win that argument, we're speaking for ourselves, our own agenda. When we are better at pointing out where everyone's going wrong, better at that than we are at asking forgiveness, we're speaking for ourselves, our own agenda. Men are terrible at this next one. When our communication is constantly shallow and impersonal, our own agenda. When our words make us the center of attention, it's our own agenda. We're speaking for ourselves. You see, our words are always promoting a kingdom, either as an ambassador for God, God's kingdom, or our words are promoting our little kingdom as if I'm the king of my own little miniature kingdom so I'm either promoting God's big kingdom or I'm promoting my tiny little mini tiny kingdom. And if both of you in a relationship are both tiny little kings over your tiny little kingdoms each and you're trying to talk to each other, then the battle of words is endless. When two tiny little kings, miniature little kings keep talking to each other, the war never ends. Again, this is why James tells us that our very hearts scream out our need for God's help because we keep wanting what we want and we want it right now. And James tells us that only a change in our hearts 
is going to be able to change our words. So, my friends, those who are Christ followers this morning, my fellow ambassadors, what exactly does it mean to communicate as an ambassador of God? Now, this is a freaky question to me. This scares me to death. As an ambassador of God, and I, me communicating his desires, his goals, his wishes, his interest to the lives of others as I speak, what does that mean? Do I have to be super religious? Am I going to have to cut my hair? I mean, what is it going to take for me to represent God? Am I going to have to go around quoting Bible verses to everyone I talk to? I mean, that might be a safe bet. Is that what I'm going to need to do? Just quote Bible verses? Does it mean that I can no longer tell a joke? I mean, does it mean that we can't talk about sports? What does it mean if everything we say is supposed to communicate what God wants to communicate? What does that mean? I would say to you, great question. And Paul gives us a very specific answer to that. And listen as we track through now a few verses in Ephesians. Paul, Paul speaking here, chapter 4, verse 29. He said, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, don't, don't pick up your agenda. Don't use a conversation according to the way you want to use it, your agenda in your way. Instead, we need to have God's agenda in a conversation with another person. And in fact, in a conversation with every person is what Paul is saying. He goes on, but only... So he says this, say only what is helpful for building others up. When you speak, Paul is saying you must consider that person that you are having a conversation with. As you talk to them, it, you need to be focused on God's agenda. And here's what that means. To do that, you will be focused on that person not yourself, not thinking about what you're going to say next. You're focused on them, not using that conversation to promote you. You're thinking about them. I should not say, this is where Paul is going here. I should not say anything to you that is not helpful to you. And as an ambassador of Jesus, I don't want my words and what I say to be an obstacle between you and God. In other words, I don't want to get in the way. So my words must be focused on you and my words must benefit you, not me. Now, Paul goes on. He says, according to their needs. This is a big one. As I'm in a conversation with another person, it is about their needs. Right now, this moment, as I'm speaking to them, their needs right now, this moment. So before I start flapping my jaws, which I'm really good at doing that, I must think about what is that person struggling with and what do they need from me and my words most right now? As I'm thinking about them, I have to ask, do they need encouragement? Is that what they need? Or do they have such a heavy load on their shoulders emotionally right now? Do, do they need that to be lightened? Do they need some laughter in their life? 
Do they need wisdom or direction? Or am I speaking with a friend who really at this moment needs a warning? Do they need some tough love or correction? Perhaps in this very moment right now, as I speak to them, they need comfort or they need hope. But my words must be shaped by what they need right now. And now Paul talks about not just the words we use, but he talks about the result that we're shooting for. Here's what he says. That it may benefit those who listen. So to benefit them, it's not just what I'm saying now, but it's also focusing on the best way to say it. I mean, you have to admit, we could say the right thing, but in the very wrong way. I've done it. You have too, haven't you? Or we could say the right thing at the worst possible time. I've done that too. But if I'm going to benefit them, then I have to say it in the right way and I have to say it at the right time. Dads, reprimanding your teenage daughter right before y'all get out of the car and they walk into the, and to walk into the restaurant, that's not helpful. I mean, even if it is accurate, what you're saying may be accurate, but wow. I mean, listen, now they're going to have to wipe their tears away and their red face. They're going to have to somehow try to make themselves look normal as they go into public. It may have been the right thing to say, but wow, the way and the timing. Wives, turning the bedroom light on while your husband is in the process of trying to go to sleep. And asking him in that moment to think about how he has hurt you with those words. And yes, he may have hurt you. But it's not going to be helpful right now. For us to point out our friend's offense in the presence of somebody else. I mean, what we say may be accurate. But it's not going to be helpful. Now, Paul adds another level of importance. I mean, he takes it to a whole nother level right here. It's not just about what we say and when we say it and how we say it. Listen to, to this, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, he pulls out the God card. When I speak as a little king of Harley... To get my way, I hurt that person. And Paul says, not only do I hurt that person, but I bring sorrow to God. Because I have just created an obstacle between that person and God. And you know the truth is, I've also created an obstacle between me and God. If we're going to represent God... 
God must be at work constantly, constantly changing our hearts. So I'm going to ask you this week, will you do some difficult work alongside of me? I'm going to ask you this week to stop, drop, and roll. And it's not because you're on fire. That's not why. It's because our words are on fire. So I'm going to ask you to stop. The first thing I'm going to ask you to do, because our conversations have so much power straight from our hearts, before I open my mouth, And before you open your mouth, I'm going to ask you to stop and remember I'm representing God. The words I'm about to use, I am not representing myself. These words represent God. These words don't belong to me. God created language. Otherwise, we would be rolling around with the animals. God created language and gave it to us. It belongs to him. It is his. It is not mine to use as I want to use it. It is not mine to push things in the direction I want. It's not mine. It does not belong to me. Words belong to God. I have to stop before I ever open my mouth in the next conversation that I have today. I must stop and remember I'm representing God. And here's the second thing. Then I'm going to ask you to drop. Drop your agenda. It's not about my need. What do they need? Well, you stop and remember you are representing God and then drop your agenda. The conversation, your next conversation that you have and the next one after that is not about you promoting your agenda or what you want. It's not about you getting your way, saying the words you want, using the right words to get the right result that you want. We have to drop our agenda. And remember, what do they need? The words that are getting ready to come out of my mouth must somehow meet a need in that person's life. I'm not representing me. I have to stop and remember I'm I'm representing God. And I have to drop my agenda and ask, what does that person need? And then I have to do this. I have to roll. After roll, I got to let it roll out. How should I roll this conversation out? How should I say it? And when should I say it? How do I need to communicate this so that they will understand it? So that it will be helpful to them. And when do I need to say it? There is a time to say something and there is a time to just be quiet. There's a time to say it and there's a time to bite your tongue. Stop, drop, and roll. Stop and remember. I'm representing God. Drop my own agenda. This is not about what I need. It is about what they need. And then how is it going to roll out? How should I say it? When should I say it? 
Here's what I'm going to ask you to do this week. Will you join me in an effort to try with God's help to stop, drop, and roll in our conversations that we have this week? And so that we can actually verbalize this together in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to just read this with me on the screen. I'm going to ask you just to read each one. We're going to put it on the screen. It'll be each one. They'll all be there. And I just want you simply to read it out loud with your spoken word, with your voice. Even if you're listening on Facebook Live, they won't think you're that crazy if there's someone else in the room. Will you simply, our friends here, everyone who's listening, will you say it out loud with us together? Give us that next slide. Here we go. This is what I want you to say. I'm, we're just going to simply read that. And in a sense, we are saying to God, God, we need your help if we're going to accomplish this. And here's what we need to do this week. We need to take a step. And I just need to say, if, if you're not a Christ follower, watching what you say can help your life. You can get some benefit out of this, even if you're not a Christ follower. But if you are a follower of Jesus, we don't have a choice. We must do this. And in order, as James said, in order to change our words, God himself is going to have to change our heart. We can change our words for a few days or a few hours or a few moments. But over the course of our life, we can't do it. As James said, we can't control our tongue. God's going to have to. And in an effort as we get this started, would you join me? Let's say this together. Would you read it? Start here with the top. Read that with me out loud. Stop and remember, I'm representing God. Thank you. We're going to do that again together. You did wonderful. Let's do it again. And then we're going to read all the way through. Are you ready? Let's do it. Stop and remember, I'm representing God. Drop my agenda. It's not about my need. What do they need and roll? How should I roll it out? How should I say it and when? I hope this week that you, you will stop, you will drop, and you will roll. Do you understand that regardless of the words that you have already planted in the lives around you, you can start today by planting God's words you can do that today, planting his words as his representative. You can begin planting today words that heal your relationships. You can begin planting today words that help your relationships, words that benefit someone else. Let's pray. Father, I have so often claimed that words are my own that they belong to me, they are for me and for my benefit. God, I have been my own little king using words to get what I want in my own little kingdom. And the result has been war. Your words through James, God, they describe me and my life. I, I've been trying to get what I want and my words have hurt and as James wrote, if, if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware for destroying one another. 
Father, forgive me for the words that I have used as I've tried to advance my own desires. And God, I'm asking your spirit right now to help me stop and remember I am your representative, not my own. Help me to drop my agenda and to focus on that other person and what they need my words to be in their life. And God, direct me as those words roll out of my heart. Direct me in how to say them and and when to say them. God, I no longer want to build my own selfish kingdom. I want to represent you. And help me and my friends this week, Jesus, to be your hands and your feet and your words. Amen.